You're listening to the Light-Filled Mornings Hour with Caitlin Shea McCoy. You know those mornings when you wake up on the right side of the bed and the light is coming in just right through the windows? You have plenty of time before you have to start work or chores and you're able to just breathe and appreciate life. A warm cup of coffee in hands, a book by your side, and the feeling like maybe today is your day to experience everything wonderful. Those are light-filled mornings. It's time to let the light in. so proud of how you show up for yourself and for others. And you never, ever need anyone's permission, least of all mine, to feel proud of yourself. But if you want it, you've got it. Anyway, I'm so excited for today's episode because I'm talking with my friend Coral Tatey. Coral's a comedian, musician, and a literal ray of sunshine. She's a day maker. She truly makes people's days. She's most well-known for her Instagram stories and trying to make people's days a little lighter with laughter. She's an Iowa native and cat mom to Archie, and we actually met last summer at Camp Climb. That's a summer camp and uplifting community for female solopreneurs and CEOs navigating the peaks and valleys of entrepreneurship. And when I met her, Coral was one of those people that not only are you just automatically drawn to. Um, She's a fellow Enneagram 7, the enthusiast, and just so fun to be around. Whether she's joking, singing, or sharing authentically what she's feeling in the moment. And since Camp Climb in August 2019, um, which 2019 was Pantone's year of living coral, uh, which we talk about in the interview, I've been following Coral on Instagram, and it's just such a privilege to to just know her. So let's go to the show. So thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Um, so I love. I don't know. Is it is it like moons and stars? But in your room right now, in your new adorable little home, it's. I don't know. Your mornings look so gorgeous. Oh my gosh. Yes. That is a, uh, was a gift from my friend Ellie. I got it somewhere online, but it's the moon cycle, I believe. So like, yeah, half moon, quarter moon, full moon in the center and then, and then lines up. And when the light hits it just right, it's uh, such a peaceful way to wake up. I know. It's so beautiful. I love it. So, um, you're actually in Des Moines, right? Yes. In Des Moines, Iowa, as of as of now, as of February, when I yeah closed on the home, so excited yeah. to be here in the five one five. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so I'd love it if you could kind of um walk us through like what your morning typically looks like and um anything about Iowa that's that's really fun and what drew you there and all the things. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, yeah, my mornings, mornings are interesting. Um, I feel like I've, I've had a, a lifelong battle with mornings because I just always tried to fight it. I, you know, would press snooze 30 times. I didn't want to get out of bed. I was always a night owl as opposed to getting up really early. Um, but I've really come to love peaceful mornings, especially like a, like a soothing Sunday morning. Um, but that's just one day a week. So stuff like, um, you know, light filled mornings, your book, your Instagram is so inspiring to me just to oh. that. This is so calming and just to take a minute to breathe and to like, uh, just kind of reassess and realign your morning. Um, and to remember that you can shape it kind of how you want to, um, has been something that's really been inspiring to me. And right now, um, obviously working from home and just all the all the things going on globally, mornings are a bit um, different, but I really try to just try not to snooze my alarm. I do try to get up, um, set one alarm, get up and start my day rather than setting five and ignoring them um, all morning. It never works like like you think it does, does it? (laughs) Yeah, I I try to so hard. Um, And I always, always, like 99.9% of the time, I do make my bed. which I've done for the past few years, but I read somewhere that it was like, if that's all you can do for, you know, for your day to set your day up for success, then that's already something you've accomplished by the time your feet have hit the ground, essentially. Um, so I try to make my bed. That's a big thing for me, um, just to keep keep that consistency and um, really just ease into it. So if I feel like it's a day where I have a lot of energy and I want to, you know, shower, get ready, do the whole nine, um, even if I'm just staying at home, uh, you know, I really try to lean into that and capitalize on those days, especially. Um, but other days, like today, where I'm feeling a little, just a little gentler with myself and a little bit um, heavy from, you know, life, I try to just ease into it. So I just slow down, play some calming music, light a candle, obviously make my coffee, and just sort of ease into the day with whatever feels right in that um, in that next moment. Um, before I start my work day. And I ideally, I would do um, journaling and, and those sorts of things every morning. I've fallen off that wagon a bit. So I, w- I would love to, to hop back on that um, and do daily affirmations. There's three that I've been saying for the past couple months, and I kind of continue to go to, um, which is I am aligned with the energy of abundance. My actions create constant prosperity, and I welcome an unlimited source of income and wealth and love in my life. Um, I try to do those and while I light like a Palo Santo or some sage just to kind of even out the, the morning um, and just, yeah, kind of take the time to, to be with my, with my own thoughts, kind of set the tone for the day. And I have a very strict, that I try to follow, uh, no phone zone, um, first thing in the morning and first thing or right before bed too. Yeah, that's amazing. I feel like um... – for somebody that's, I I don't know if visual is the right word, um, but you know, so so visual, visible, um, and such a source of fun and inspiration and light on social media. Yeah. Um, I feel like that there's a kind of um, perception that you're just like always on it, um, but take I'm, I'm sure for you taking those times off is really important too. Oh, so important. And I, I've sort of realized when I, um, when I've kind of hit my wall of being social and now that we're not being social, you know, when I've been social online. And I think that for me, especially I, there's days where I just feel like recording all day. Cause I'm like in a good mood and I want to be funny or there's funny things happening. 
and I feel like being a jokester or being a light for people. And then there's other days where, especially when I'm not feeling great or I'm having a down day, um, I, I definitely know that that's not a time to be on my phone. Um, but I also try to show up authentically when I'm feeling that way. So people, um, realize that, you know, human person with human feelings, I think we all forget that sometimes as we're scrolling through squares and we're, you know, clicking through stories, we, um, we're just seeing a highlight reel, even if it's authentic in a, um, and I'm being honest about feeling down or what's kind of going on in my mind, it still doesn't always resonate through the screen. So definitely trying to limit that time, um, especially first thing in the morning, because for a while there, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to show up for everyone. And like, okay, people aren't going to have a good day unless I, you know, I'm on first thing and I'm playing pony and I'm doing my Shakira impression. <laughs> I feel like I have to do this for everybody, um, which is great when that when that's coming from a place of you know, genuineness within me, um, but also realizing that I was putting that pressure on myself. It wasn't, you know, necessarily coming from any outside sources and, and just knowing that I'm super sensitive, like mentally and emotionally, like first thing in the morning and right before bed, if I see, um, especially now, just some of the negative, a lot of toxicity and a lot of negativity, um, a lot of good things too, but I can't, take that risk first thing in the morning, I guess, if that makes sense to just scroll through and possibly see something that's going to maybe offset my, my mood. And and I don't want it to affect my whole day. Right. I kind of look at it too, is like, um, you know, sometimes I'll find if, if I start scrolling a little too early, it's like, wait a minute, I'm looking for something to tell me like how I should feel today. And it's like, wait, this is backwards. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. You're looking for the outside source when like we already know you got that comes from within. You have to look in. And I think for the most part, I get that. But then I do kind of lose myself occasionally when I'm, yeah, you're looking for the outside, you know, joy or comfort or laugh or you're looking for all those outside sources. And then especially when you come across something that offsets that or does the opposite of that, it's just kind of like, uh, oh, well, that was a, you know, that's a real bummer. That's a real buzzkill. And then it kind of, kind of puts you in a funk. And, um, and I've grown very close to the sun. Like when the sun is out, I just like have such a different mindset, which I think a lot of people, uh, relate to, but I, yeah, when it, when it's not out first thing in the morning, that's, uh, it's just always, that makes it a little bit extra harder to try and, you know, find that peace and comfort and, and lighten the day. Yeah. And so um, I know you just started doing um, stand-up pretty recently. Is that right? Yeah. Like I just had my first uh, gig, my first book show this past Friday. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's been crazy. <laughs> um, so with that, like um, – so I wanted to ask like what generally inspires you in the morning or later, but even just like with stand up, um, you know, like, like with everything else, like all of that creativity and inspiration, even if you're drawing on outside sources, like really has to come, um, from within and from everything that I've seen that you've done, like you are so tapped into that authentic self how does that come out what's that process like um gosh yeah that's such a great question I I think for me um it's kind of been a a, been a journey but if I if I really look back at my life I think it all kind of clicked when I was 13 and and I'll explain why but that doesn't mean that I got all this wisdom at 13 that's for sure it's taken me quite a long time to figure it out but 
I remember at 13, we moved and I was the new kid and I felt so, so out of place. I mean, 13 is a tough age and, and teenage years and braces and all the things. And I just felt very um, fish out of water. But then it's, at some point it sort of clicked for me when I kind of became like the class clown that I to just be weird and to just be myself. Um, I have always listened to that voice, but I think that's where it really started to click for me was that people are going to like me or not. And I can either spend my life being kind of who I am, or I can alter that based on kind of who's around me. Um, and I think we're ever changing and, and growing obviously as, as beings anyway. But I think that was a big one for me to realize, okay, yeah, I'm a little weird and I, I'm probably always going to be a little weird. So to kind of lean into it and, um, always having been kind of, you know, the funny person, the life of the party in, in many regards, I didn't think of stand-up as a, it, it wasn't, it was kind of an option, it was kind of an out there thought, but it wasn't something I was taking super seriously up until um, actually after Camp Climb uh, last summer was something that I kind of walked away from wanting to pursue. And um, I remember vividly a day when I was 27, I was, on my way to work, no one was in the house. My roommate had gone for work, um, but I was about to leave. I grabbed my keys and I looked in the mirror and I was like, I love you. And I was like, why did I, who did I, like, I didn't say that to anyone. And I didn't mean to say it to myself, but I was passing by the mirror. And I think since 27 on, now I'm 30, I really brought self-love as like a, as a practice for just growing and evolving and really learning to, to listen to myself, to listen to, you know, what I want to pursue, what I want to follow, um, and really kind of tapping into that inner, inner wisdom. Um, so obviously something that's always, always ha learning new ways to do that. Um, but I think that's really where it stemmed from was learning to trust my own gut and just believing in myself first and foremost. And then if others, you know, follow suit, that's, that's great. Um, but trying to be that light for myself, first and foremost, and then from there, you know, sort of filling others' um, cups as well. Yeah. And so um, what did that um, transition to be like, yeah, I'm really going to pursue doing stand-up? Like, how did that happen? Yeah. So actually, there's a new, a brand new comedy club in Des Moines called Teehee's Comedy Club. And um, I before before I left for Europe, actually, last summer, this article had come up on Facebook, and it was like, new comedy club in Des Moines, and several friends had tagged me in it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a sign, like, I'm gonna have to, you know, explore this, and then didn't really think anything of it, um, and then I went to the club opening weekend, and it was just a total blast, and then I would proceed to go uh, to the open mic nights, and I would proceed to chicken out about four oh. weeks in a row, and I would go, and I, I would say, I'm gonna sign up, I'm going to do open mic night. And every single time I would, I would just chicken out. I just couldn't do it, which I know is maybe a surprise um, that I'm not always that confident, but I mean, I am, I'm, I'm confident in who I am, but I also, you know, get so nervous and terrified and, and stand up's a new world to me. You know, I can be the funny girl in a room at a party um, around a bonfire, but I don't know what that looks like on stage. Yeah. Um, and how, how does that transition? And am I funny on stage? I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, so all these thoughts and second guessing myself and, um, I've done theater for, uh, several years, ever since, um, high school, a lot in college and even some after college. And, you know, I can be 
Dolly Parton and Nine to Five the Musical because someone gave me a script and I can bring my own um, my own choral nicety to it um, and make it <laughs> make it what it will what it will be and um, have that fun and confidence on stage because there's already a script in place. But to be to go on stage to be a heightened level of me is just a weird dynamic to to be myself, but. I have to be prepared, um, and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I chickened out a bunch. I think I chickened out like four weeks in a row. And then I finally got up there and, um, Sid is one of the owners of the club and, and Pete also works there. And those two have just been very influential in my journey because after that first open mic, I I literally went to the back of the club, out the back door and I just cried. Like, I just like had to to let it out because I was, I was just so relieved. I finally did it. I knew I could do it, but I, you know, built it up to be this super intimidating thing. Um, and I just felt so ah, like, a, like, okay, I can breathe now that I did it. Um, and for me, what my goal was, was to just show up and sign up. So I didn't have a, I didn't have a written out um, sketch or script. I didn't, I had sort of an idea of what I wanted to talk about. And I got from point A to B somehow and then I got off stage because I was like I did it I showed up now um I can say I did that and and move on to the next thing so I think showing up was the biggest thing for me at first and then I actually took the stand-up comedy class um which is an eight-week class at the club where we kind of dove more into writing jokes kind of coming up with material how you organize your thoughts and things like that um because it is so much more than just getting up on stage and being funny, you really do have to execute it in a manner that is going to, you know, captivate and, and um, bring an audience in and, and, you know, um, have something that they can follow through, which was a real struggle for me was kind of getting that follow through and um, connecting those dots while I'm on stage. Cause I've only got five minutes to get through my, my story um, and my jokes. So that's, and then Friday was my, yeah, my first show. So it's been a, it's been a Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's so incredible. Yeah. I'm super excited. Um, and I, I think it's cool too, that it came in a time where I was ready for it. You know, like I'm, yes. the club opened at the same time that I was ready to, to really sort of take this more seriously and to uh, just explore it and just curious about what it is. So um, the timing has been really cool, really influential. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, so do you like have a, a set schedule now? I So that was just my first show. I know um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how things play out with obviously the, the coronavirus. They're doing half capacity right. at a lot of venues. And then the riots, uh, you know, just that have been going on. Um, there's been curfews initiated. So things were just able to open back up and now they're sort of um, in limbo again. I think um, there's a couple places in town that still do open mics. I think they're starting to lean into that a little bit more, obviously following all the the safety precautions as well. So I think it'll be a minute before I can start getting regular bookings, but I'm, my hope is that, um, that it would kind of get to that point where I'm regularly doing shows around Des Moines um, and, and can do, you know, do other engagements um, elsewhere too, once things sort of once it's safe to do so for sure. I think just knowing that the, um, what's the say, I always say I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I think you, you just say that until you believe it or until something changes. But I think it's kind of reminding myself of that. And I think the, the downtime of, you know, the global pandemic and everything has really 
um, almost shown me that this is something that I really want to pursue, but it's, it's kind of nice that I've had the, with everything being shut down, it was something that I could really examine, you know, and I don't, I don't want to get to a level of overthinking, of course, because that, that can spiral down, downward quickly, but something where I'm, I kind of realize, um, you know, I, what, what are my gifts? What are my passions that I want to pursue? And, and what do I want to share with the world? And that was kind of, um, with doing these open mics and different things, I'm like, you know, I love music. I love comedy. Put your hands together. I mean, we've, we've got <laughs> comedy, like, well, like, you know, and just kind of trying to lean into that. What's your favorite kind of music? I am definitely, I, I would have to say country pop folk um, would be my go-to uh, right now. I'm really into any sort of calm, folky, acoustic. Mandolin Orange is honestly one of my favorite bands. Um, I'm hoping to see them in Red Rocks this October, fingers crossed. Uh, oh, man, yeah. yeah. In Colorado, but they've got a really solid um, folky acoustic sound, and those are those are kind of my my go-tos. Any any good, like, NPR, Tiny Desk, you know, show, that's the kind of stuff that I really like to just put on and, and listen to. That's amazing. Um, I don't know if – you knew this, but um, anytime you reference Dolly Parton, uh, my um, my dogs are named Loretta Lynn and Conway Twitty. I have a beagle named Loretta oh my Lynn, God. and my white little white Chihuahua is named Conway Twitty. Oh my god, we gosh. just call him Twitty. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but it, like anytime we're calling the dogs, so it's like I need a uh, Louisiana woman. Yes. I need that Mississippi man. Oh I don't my know. gosh. That's amazing. So are you, you're definitely like a classic country fan. Yes, totally. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I also got to say, I adore seeing your coffee sign in your house. Oh my gosh. And all of your videos and pictures. That's the first thing that went up before I got to bed, before anything. That's, that was the first thing that went up. And I believe my mom got it at a, um, a shop in Texas, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking over at my kitchen right now and it's just so funny to, that's my favorite area and spot. And I've got the, my crystals and the coffee sign and all my plants and, um, just, yeah, the bright, uh, turquoise teal clock and all these things. And it's such a, it's been such a weird journey to get to this house. And every time I just look over there, I, it's weird to see a vision come to life, which I'm sure you can relate to obviously with like the book and everything. Like you, you put, so much into it and then just to see it come to fruition is just a super crazy gratifying feeling totally what what's your um like house process like and um gosh I your past European travels look magical too yeah it's weird how much that that plays such a crucial role in and how this house came to be um because I, so I'm an Iowa native, um, from Northeast Iowa, um, but went to high school here around Des Moines. And, um, I've also lived in Nashville, Tennessee, Colorado, and Wyoming, um, after college. So I went to university of Northern Iowa and then did my travels, uh, lived in a few other States. And then I went to um, Europe last summer for three and a half months, um, just traveling solo around. And my big thing for 2019, which was the year of living coral, um, I didn't declare it that. It just was declared, declared unto it, me. It just um, was. Yes. It just was. <laughs> um, and that was uh, Pantone declared it the color of the year. And I took it very, very literally. And that's when I, um, I quit my job and I uh, got out of my apartment and I 
booked a one-way ticket to Europe, and I um, did that all um, in light of uh, losing my dad the year before. So it was really um, for for him and his and honoring him, but all, for me to uh, live my best life, you know, while um, remembering him and and doing it as kind of a a nod to the travels that we'd always, you know, talk about and um, knowing full well that I was going to do that one day. It just happened in a way that um, obviously I wasn't prepared for and, and would would prefer had not had things played out that way. Um, but that was a big deal for me. And Paris specifically was a city that I dreamed about for 16 years. I collected Eiffel Towers. I was obsessed with Paris, cafes, all the things. And um, about a month and a half into my trip is when I finally went to Paris. And I think, looking back, I think I put it off because I knew it was going to be, um, I knew it was going to be, you know, the biggest, the biggest visit of the whole trip. I knew it was going to be very emotional for me and um, the connection I had to Paris with my dad and um, associated with him and a, a Eiffel Tower notebook he gave me and actually wrote in, you know, I can see you at this certain cafe. And I went to that certain cafe and just... the 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 connection of that and the you know he that was a vision he had he gave me that notebook for my 21st birthday and I didn't um write in it until I got to Paris until I was at the at the cafe he talked about and so so Paris was just this this is you know half of my lifelong dream um that I think I was scared to confront but when I finally did it just so many things aligned and before they aligned a lot of things misaligned and um what i what i mean by that long story short is um so i booked i booked the one-way ticket i i planned a day at a time like i would just kind of wake up and it'd be like okay are we going to barcelona are we going to london like let's you know what's how am i gonna orchestrate this trip essentially um so just very on the go and then paris came and so i i got a nicer hotel. I was like, okay, we're going to do a five day, you know, kind of treat yourself. This is a big kahuna. Um, we're going to make this trip count. And one thing after another, like my, uh, had an issue with the first hotel and then the hotel canceled on me that I was supposed to stay at. Um, and then it was raining and I couldn't get my phone. I couldn't get my phone to work and I couldn't do Google translate cause I don't speak French, which is, I know such an American thing, but I was really trying um and all these things so I basically get off at the wrong train stop um I'm trying to figure out where I'm at and how to ask anyone in French where how to get to this hotel um and I go into this super fancy cafe I didn't realize it was super fancy but I walk in and I'm well underdressed and they're like I they're like we can ma'am we can take your bag and I'm like I don't okay so I'm like in this corner booth just crying and trying to figure everything out and I'm like 16 years like 16 years I've dreamed of this moment and this is this is where we're at um (laughs) I had a moment and I was like yeah just crying and um got it together and then I went to another cafe and um I was just kind of trying to piece together what I was going to do and along came Roger and Roger um is had an Airbnb experience on there so essentially he was going to have like a house concert um on Airbnb and so earlier that day I had added it to my my favorites of a thing to do and I messaged him and I was like hey are you are you still doing a house concert because at this point it's about 4 p.m it's getting dark it's raining um I have nowhere to stay and I'm like well I might as well go to a concert if you know, if this is how this is all going to play out. Um, yeah. 
And he's like, and I said, also, do you have a, you know, a possible place to stay in your area that you could, you know, refer me to because my hotel just canceled on me. And he's like, well, actually, I'm not far from there. I can meet you there. And I was like, okay, so it could have been, you know, I, I very, very smart, you know, smart and have my wits about me when I travel, obviously, do you do you be being safe about that? Um, so I thought, well, it's either going to be a weird situation in which I'll get out of or this is you know the universe is being like hey you know we got you in a super unconventional way but we got you and so Roger's like I can you know be at the house in 15 minutes and I'm like okay sweet I turns out I was like two blocks away um so I meet Roger and we're walking through the courtyard and Eiffel Tower's is right there like I'm two blocks from the Eiffel Tower and I'm like and he's just walking and talking like going to his door and I'm like I'm sorry <laughs> Roger, I'm going to need you to pause real quick. That's the freaking Eiffel Tower. It's right there. Uh, I'm, like, losing it. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know. Isn't it a great view? I'm like, yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, Yes, it, it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> and so so basically, we he shows me around. He's got this beautiful apartment. You can see the Eiffel Tower from the terrace. Um, and he's like, I've got to get going to band practice, but you're more than welcome to join us. And I was like, score, let's do it. So him and I grab a, a – uh, sandwich at a shop and go eat at a bar and head he shows me around some local places quick and then we go to band practice where he's jamming with his friends and then I get home back home to you know his home and um the reason that that's part of the story is so important is because uh a few days later is when I was sitting in you know I'm sitting in this Parisian apartment by myself it's beautiful the winds I remember it so vividly um, the wind is blowing through the, the curtains are just moving and I made breakfast and I thought, this is what I want. I want to have a space that's cozy and comfy and feels like home that I can open up to other people. Um, and it's, it just like, I, it's just this feeling overwhelmed me. And that's when I jokingly, quote unquote, I got on face or uh, got on Google and I was like, homes for sale in Des Moines, Iowa. And I found the first house I found was this little blue bungalow. And I posted that on my story. It's actually still on my Instagram, Instagram story, which is so trippy. Um, Cause it was almost exactly a year ago. Um, so just over oh a year gosh. ago, I was sitting in Rogers Airbnb looking for a home in Des Moines. And this is the only house I viewed. Um, a lot of things happened. Uh, like a, I lost a job a couple of days before closing. Um, I, there was, you know, a couple of hiccups along the way. Um, but luckily the bank and the realtor and the seller were all very patient with me. And I would just drive by this house listening to Marin Morris, the bones. And I would just sit outside and cry. And I'd be like, this is, this is it. This is my house. I'm going to put the airstream in the back. I'm going to have a stage. I'm going to, this is my tiny house, um, bungalow that I just feel so, so called to have, so called to, you know, be mine. And, um, it was, yeah, super surreal when it all when it all came to be because um, you know had I been at that hotel I wouldn't have that homey feeling of coziness I wouldn't have um, you know seen Roger's place and had that kind of overwhelming feeling of this is right where I'm supposed to be and Paris was a big turning point in my trip because it was about halfway through and that's where I really gave myself permission to to enjoy the trip I was on, to enjoy the journey, um, to kind of let go of the guilt and the expectation of, of what it was and to just really be present and to take this as the once in a lifetime opportunity it was. Um, so, so 2019 Living Coral was all about spreading my wings 
and when I spread those wings, what I realized was I'm really ready to set some roots. Um, and so that was my big thing for 2020, which coronavirus and everything really forced me to really, really root myself, honestly. Um, and the fact yeah, that you I, are yeah, now staying I, in that home. Yeah, and now I'm here. And, <laughs> um, I love it. So yeah, it's a, it's a lengthy story, but that is uh, kind of it's I, I feel like that story just defines me really in so, in so many ways where it's it's freaking ridiculous it's absolutely hysterical it's classic coral in the sense that it only worked out because so many other things didn't work out but it but what matters <laughs> is what did you know like the the timing of everything and just believing that um you know came across Roger found him met, I met like his girlfriend and his kids and they had this um we had like 15 people over one night and we just like jammed and ate delicious food and people from all around the world, all these different languages. And I'm just like, what is, what is happening right now? Like, how is this my life? And so um, the fact that, you know, I found this house in Paris is just, it's why I call it my kind of my little Paris um, dream house because it kind of came out of that and really knowing that I can spread my wings, but I felt very, um, kind of like I was flailing about and you can only flail about for so long before you really need to root yourself. So my hope was that by rooting myself, I can actually spread my wings, you know, even further now that I have that grounding. Yeah. With that foundation to yep. stand on. Yep. Exactly. Oh, that's so incredibly beautiful. Yeah. So I'm interested to know, like, with all of that, like, okay, now I have these roots. Now I can really like stand on this foundation and spread my wings. Like as far as a daily practice goes, like I know you said like your affirmations are a part of it and spending that time in the morning, um, just being really present off your phone. Um, but anything you could share on like, I don't know, the, the practical in the moment things would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, a big thing for me is um, taking that, taking that moment to, yeah, be present and to breathe and to, I literally walk around this house saying, I love this house like a hundred times a day. And I, I touch, like I touch the walls or I touch the countertop and I'm, I'm very specific about what I'm grateful for. Um, you know, even looking at the moons, like the first thing when I wake up, I see the moon the moon's hanging and I'm like, you know, thankful for that. Thankful for the sunlight coming in. Um, thankful for all the people that, you know, when I see a candle or an object or a mug or something that someone else gave me or was a part of this whole crazy process with me, um, it just gives me extra to, to be thankful for. And I think having the, the touch, especially, um, like right now I'm, you know, messing with my rings and that mean a lot to me or like when I'm doing dishes, I'm like, I'm so, you know, I'm thankful for this dish. I'm thankful for the water that's coming out of the faucet and the fact that I have a job to pay for the water that comes out of the faucet and kind of almost like a, like a trick, um, a trickle effect of, of gratitude essentially. And just starting with the most simple, basic things, um, helps you tap into some of those larger things too. And I think the biggest takeaway for me is that, um, knowing how badly I wanted it, wanted this and how much of a struggle and uh, a joy it was. Um, and to also like, to, to just kind of let things, let things be as you know, I think sometimes we're, we're very much in a hard work, work hard, play harder kind of 
you got to fight the grind until you get it. And we're kind of in this mentality of it has to be hard in order for it to be rewarded or it has to be a struggle in order to, to get it. And while that's definitely true in a lot of ways, um, kind of allowing yourself to have a level of having this, um, as Morgan always says, you know, kind of letting yourself have those things and honoring that. And so, um, you know, if I feel, yeah, if I'm kind of having a pity party or I feel guilty or I feel like, I don't know, you know, all the, all the things, um, in a not so great way, sometimes I just think back to, um, the, the good that I wanted this house to serve with me personally. And just like those that I will one day invite over, um, to soak in this joy with me and to just really, yeah, take those tangible takeaways and to take a minute to just pause and look around and just see all the things that are around you that you, you wanted before, you know, um, and surrounding yourself with that. Yeah. And I think like grounding and like the actual, like the dish, the water, um, like really brings you into that more, like the more you focus on it. Certainly. And I, especially with nature too, that's one thing, um, when I was going through this morning, I was kind of thinking about, you know, I, I would love to have a morning cup of coffee outside, um, you know, every day or take, take a few minutes. I try to go outside several times a day to just to do like five breaths in, five breaths out, kind of soak up the sun, get away from the screen for a minute. Um, but I'd love to dive more into that and find those, find that sanctuary in nature. Um, even if it's my own backyard, but maybe on the weekends, even going further than that and going to a, you know, a hike or a park or, or different things like that. Cause I think having that grounding really just, yeah, it helps, it helps you get even more centered. Um, and then you can kind of carry that into your regular kind of work week. Totally. Oh, and um, does Archie like to go outside? That is such a great question. He, <laughs> I, think he, I think he does. Um, so, yeah, Archie's my cat I got on April Fool's, actually. Um, <laughs> and he's a little ginger cat. He is, a, he, he is me. He's actually um, a big part of my, my first stand-up bit was, um, was about Archie and how we are the same um, because he is big, orange, and lovable. And he loves now and food and being held. And I'm like, same Archie. We are, we are one. Um, and we also have the same hair color, which is, which is great. Um, but he would, he would always stay away from the door. Like when I'd open it to talk to male lady Amber or different things like that. Um, but most recently in the last couple of weeks, he started to kind of inch towards it and look out and want to explore. And there's also a black cat um, that actually came by this morning. And so the black cat oh. hangs out in the backyard. And I think Archie would love to go out and I, I hope he would play, but I, he seemed to maybe be a bit more ready to fight than, than to play with this other cat. <laughs> yeah. Well, he just finally got a, got a home. So maybe he's wants yeah. to protect it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think he was a bit protective. Like, Hey, now this is, this is my spot. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. I just wondered if, if you'd taken him out I'm my, um, stepmom used to walk her cat um okay. like he had a harness and stuff and so we um we can't have cats um but we have dogs <laughs> I just uh, yeah. wonder as like being a cat owner like is there that like take them out into the world or they just live at home and that's fine I did um I honestly googled it because you know those backpacks that everyone's wearing now with like yes the, with the face hole I'm like first of all I obviously need that um 
but I was looking and actually reading articles about how how walking can be good for cats. It's definitely not for every cat, um, but some might like it. And they said to like get the harness, just put it put it on the ground, you know, at home. Um, let them kind of play with it, get used to the smell and everything, and then put it on them, walk around the house, and then sort of go outside and see if they will. Um, which I think would be cool if he if he was okay with either go yeah going like out into the you know, out to a park or something, or just even walking around the block, I would love to take him if he, if he would be down with that. I'm excited to see how that I know, I turns out. out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, so I was going to ask too, like, so with Archie and your, your new house, um, what kind of, um, advice or, um, I don't know, feelings of of inspiration would you give to someone else that was wanting to like create a little space for themselves and and find that that home oh yeah certainly I think um a big thing for me it was you know I've I've moved 30 times and I've I've always been a gypsy soul always been like not gonna settle down and, and things like that and I because I think I have so many uh fears associated with that um but I really got to a point where I wanted to lean into that. And I think the biggest thing for me was that I'm really glad that I spent my, you know, the entirety of my twenties um, gallivanting around and doing whatever, uh, going wherever, because that's exactly what I wanted to do with my twenties. That was my intent. That's what felt right to me. Um, and I think when you, something I've really started to, to listen to is to lean into the moments that feel calm, like, um, I'm such a enthusiastic person. I get so jazzed about, you know, like whatever's going on, like, yes, I want to do that. Or of course I want to go there. And like, I get very excited and jazzed about a lot of different things. Um, but I'm also learning to lean into the moments that feel calm and Archie in this house are a prime example of, I just like posted that house on my story and I thought, well, that's it. And I knew it was mine. And I knew, I just knew it. Like it was so, you know, like a yeah. inner gut intuition. Um, and same with Archie, I was, um, you know, I've been only taking care of myself for so long. Some days that's more of a struggle than others, but, um, I was kind of ready to just let that love into my life and to take care of some, someone, something, a cat, um, these plants, like I was ready to invite them into my life. And I think, um, while that still scared me a little bit, it was something that just felt so easy. Like when I was signing the the papers when we were closing on the house, I, first of all, I was like, are you guys seriously going to let me do this? Like, no one's going to stop me. You're just, <laughs> you're just going to let me go through with this. Okay. This is really um, I'm like, this is okay. This is really happening. Um, but I felt so calm and it almost made me giddy at how calm I was. Uh, it did make me giddy. I was definitely laughing while the lady was like watching me sign all these important documents. Um, and then when it came to Archie, it was something where it was like, I, I don't, I didn't want a cat. I wasn't looking for a cat, but it was like, I found, he found me or I found him, you know? And I think letting yourself first and foremost, be open to those things, even if it's just an idea of like, I could, I can maybe see that. Um, and then when that does come, letting yourself have it, going back to that kind of havingness. And I think just listening to the moments of, of calmness and then really leaning into it. So if it feels right, you know, to not, not question it, not overthink it. Um, obviously want to be smart about your decisions too, but, um, 
you know, we all know what's best for us. We just are really good at talking ourselves out of it a lot of the time. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and you're an Enneagram 7 too, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought so. Yeah. Yes. That makes so much sense. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like even um, being enthusiastic about the calm, like that's a that's a thing. Definitely. And yeah, and it's it's interesting too to try and listen to it in that manner, you know, because before it was like, I have to be excited and jazz about it from the get-go or otherwise, you know, not. And now I'm kind of like listening to the quietness of, no, this definitely feels right, but kind of honoring the ease of it um, sort of coming into your life. So I think, and that's something too, I think for people who are especially maybe in a place right now where they don't, they don't have, you know, the home or the, um, they're sort of struggling, struggling to create that space for themselves. I think it's the littlest, the littlest shifts, you know, um, not only in your mindset, but like, I, uh, you know, love plants. So surrounding yourself, you're getting a plant, getting a candle, getting some crystals, whatever little things sort of fill you up with joy and surrounding your space with that, whether it's, you know, one chair in your living room or your bedroom or wherever you find that sort of peace and solitude and continuing to come back to that. There we go. Day made. <laughs> you can find Coral on Instagram at Coral's Country. Um, as she said, C-O-R-A-L-S, Coral's Country. Um, and follow her there for all updates, sunshine, Archie the cat, her gorgeous home, and more. Um, and thank you so much for listening to today's Lightfilled Mornings Hour. You can find Lightfilled Mornings over on Instagram at Lightfilled Mornings, all one word. Um, and me personally at Caitlin Shea McCoy, C-A-I-T-L-I-N-S-H-E-A, Shea, like the butter, M-C-C-O-Y. And until next time, may you have a little bit extra laughter, good feelings, and magical moments, whether they're from the Eiffel Tower, those moments of clarity, or anything else, knowing that you have everything you need for your best mornings right there within you. Enjoy your light-filled mornings, dear friends. <laughs>